This is Cambrio from CambrioMusic.com, and today I have a fantastic interview with Taylor Morden. He is the director of the documentary film Pick It Up, Scana 90s, The Last Blockbuster, and a few other fantastic films. He's also a musician. Now let's get started. Thanks for coming by. Was there anyone you really wanted who kind of, for any reason, just didn't work out? <laughs> yeah, we did put a lot of effort in trying to get Gwen Stefani in the movie. Right. And that uh, did not end up working out, but that's okay. You had Tom, right? We did have Tom, yeah. Yeah, I was looking, because I'm up in Canada at the moment, and I was looking for Planet Smashers. Yeah, we talked to them. They were among the few people who um, were into it, but the timing didn't work out. We were never in the same place at the same time, and we just couldn't afford to go up to Canada to film with one band. Most bands were grouped around certain locations, so we were able to do three or four at a time per trip. So you had to go out pretty much, or did they kind of see where you were? Uh, we traveled a lot to make it. We shot a lot in California. I'm from Oregon, so even okay. that was travel. But we shot in New York. We shot in Tokyo and Mexico. And then uh, we went to the Supernova Ska Festival in Virginia. Okay. And that's where we met up with a lot of bands there. Uh, same with Back to the Beach in Southern California. So we went to those gatherings to sort of save on the travel budget. Nice. Was there anyone who seemed like initially the most excited to be in it? A lot of people were excited from the very beginning. I think the guys from Bucko Nine were pretty, pretty excited from early on. I think the Aquabats were big supporters. They really helped us bring in a lot of the other bands too. Yeah, cool. Do you remember even like your origins with Ska, the first show you may have went to? My first real Ska show that I went to, I was, um, well, I had been to a couple of like church shows where Five Iron Frenzy and a band called The W's were playing. Oh, yeah. And, and those were, they were real shows, but they were in like church basements and, and things like that. Uh, but the first show I went to at like a real club that was a a big band um, I was actually playing. I had joined a ska band as a trumpet player the week before, and they said, hey, we've got a show this weekend. We're opening up for the Mad Caddies uh, called the Wow Hall, which was a pretty big club in uh, Eugene, Oregon, where I live. And so my first time really being at a big ska show, I was playing in the opening band. So that was crazy for me. Kind of nerve-wracking? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so who else was on that? You know, I don't remember. It was oh. probably us, another local band, and then the Caddies. Okay. And did the like atmosphere feel different than, you know, some other concerts you may have been to? Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, I was, I was more into punk rock before that, so I had been to some, you know, like a lag wagon show or a you know, 88 Fingers Louie, that kind of gutter mouth shows. And they were, you know, hot, sweaty, angry, crazy crowds and great music. And I loved the loud, high energy 
craziness of it. But then being at a ska show, you know, people, first of all, there were all kinds of people there. It wasn't just the punk rock kids. And then people were dancing and smiling and having like a different kind of a good time that I didn't know was possible coming from the punk rock shows. Yeah, it's cool when you see bands who kind of bring it together. Like, I don't know, you know the group uh, Leftover Crack, by chance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they really have kind of an edge, and the voice is almost, you know, demonic in how he sings, but it's got some really good uh, catchy riffs, too. Mm -hmm. So I think one of my first shows was seeing them, and it was just kind of a, you know, both scenes together, and it was a, a bit uh, tricky, but it was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I love that. I love the, those 90s shows where it would be a crazy mix of bands, too, you know, where you'd have the punk rock bands, and then the ska band and then maybe a swing band or something It'd be really weird. Do you have any favorite shows you can remember ever going to? Oh man. I think there was a, a show probably in 98. I think it was the pie tasters and ska movie and the epitones. Um, and maybe a, a local opener. And I just, that was one of those crazy, just like the most fun I had ever had in one one night and a lot of times because I lived in Oregon our local band was the Cherry Pop and Daddies and oh, they're yeah. famous for being a swing band but they played a lot of ska and a lot of punk too and so that was you know almost every month we would go see them and it became like this ritual you know all, all the friends would get together and go see them and sing along and dance and that was that was a lot of fun, but that wasn't ever like one specific show. That was just like what we did in high school. Yeah, for sure. I remember even way uh, a bit further back, the uh, one of my favorites was the Scars Dead Three tour. Do you remember that by any chance? It was around two thousand five. Yeah, that was a little bit later. Yeah, but yeah, that one was was pretty intense because not a lot came up here, but when they did, we kind of really went crazy for it. Who was on that tour? Well, I think they kind of had to put uh, Planet Smashers on top just because that's who everyone knew the most. But um, Toasters, the know-how. Uh, I have to look back now. My, my sweater I still have. Um, <laughs> go, go Jimmy Go, I think. Oh, nice. It was five or six, and like it was just nonstop. Like, and we just kind of went for it. That's super fun. <laughs> Some of the stuff you said, even in the movie, was interesting how after the kind of big push it was almost like a, a dirty word and bands kind of didn't promote themselves as much as ska because even in like the uh, 2000s i know goldfinger kind of pulled away back from a little bit from it mm -hmm. what do you think the kind of feel is now all those years later uh well i think first of all people have opened up a lot more and they're less sort of less exclusive you know like people there's still people who only listen to one kind of music, but I think people are a little bit more, you know, I can like this band and I can like this other band from a different genre. So it's not quite as, as um, separated as it was back then. But Goldfinger, you bring up, is a great example because they played a lot of ska in the 90s. And then, like you said, in the 2000s, they were playing a lot more punk and even some metal kind of riffs. And yeah. Not that they weren't doing that before, but there was definitely a time in the 90s when they leaned into the ska really hard because that's what was popular. And that's, you know, 
their song was in the Tony Hawk video game and they were getting a lot of uh, buzz off of their ska songs. So they played more of those. And then they, when ska was not as cool, they would play more, you know, the pop punk stuff of the early 2000s, which was really big then. Um, but now you see them, you know, even right now they're doing these like live quarantine videos. Yeah, I've seen that. And they, I think they've done four and three of them were ska songs. And their live set now is filled with ska. Like they've fully embraced what was fun about their earlier music and what the fans want. So I think, it, you know, even with the bands, there's more of an openness to kind of just doing whatever you want, whatever's fun. And then there's bands like Real Big Fish that never stopped playing ska and the right. shows were bigger and smaller and now they're bigger again because just people love it. And so there's there's all those different styles, but there are a lot of bands, you know, you look at like the RX Bandits who played ska and then stopped playing ska and never never came back. So Right, right. It's, it's a broad spectrum. Yeah, I saw even a couple of days ago they announced another a remaster of that Tony Hawk game, so maybe it'll, it'll all come back around again. I mean, if, if it helps remind people, you know, I think there's a Suicide Machine song on there too that was huge for people like me who didn't know about that many bands until later. So if, if that game comes out and people are reminded about this music from before and they can go and check out these bands, because like Goldfinger has a brand new record out, not right. brand new, but last year and Suicide Machines have a new one coming out. So it's not like the music went away. It's just, I think a lot of people forgot. And that's a big thing we're seeing with the movie. Like I get emails all the time from people who saw the movie and then they thank me. They're like, oh man, it made me get out all my old ska CDs right. and listen to them and it made me so happy. And now I'm showing my kids this music. And that's just, that's awesome. Because I would hate for, you know, people to forget about it and it kind of slips away and, and people don't realize that they can still go to a show and still have that great experience that we all had back then. Absolutely. I don't know, is Darren Pfeiffer still in that band? Is he still the drummer? I'm not sure. He's not. Okay. He's not. They have a new drummer and then sometimes it's Travis Barker for some reason. Yeah. I think because they're best buds, John Feldman and Travis. But uh, no, Darren is not, he plays sometimes, uh, I think in a couple different bands and he, has a great podcast now that's out. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, I think he had a he had an episode with Tony Hawk right before we interviewed him, and he was okay. real jazzed about that. So full circle. Yeah, because he was working at a radio station up here in Toronto for a bunch of years. Oh, cool. And then uh, one of the shows, maybe around 2010, he had a thing where he tried to like uh, body surf as far as possible to to the uh, stage, like from the bar. He would just try and do it. <laughs> that's awesome in terms of the movie if you say you had like an extra half hour to put anything else you wanted to that might have been left out what would what'd you do what would you do with that time well there's a lot of stuff that's on the deleted scenes on the dvd and on the blu-ray um and on the vimeo version and it's it's actually a whole nother 90 minutes worth oh, yeah? so uh if i had to pick the 30 minutes of that that would be the most fun to put back in I'd probably put in some more of the 
like the Asian Man Records stuff. There was a, another bit about uh, Real Big Fish, I think, that was more informative. There's some more like behind the scenes businessy stuff in there too. But um, I don't know, we trimmed it down a lot. It was five hours long at one point uh, <laughs> when we just put all the content that we thought was interesting in there. So I'm pretty happy with what's in there now. And I think the beauty of having deleted scenes on the DVD and things like that is that if people want more, they can get it. It's there. So it's, you know, for some people, I think the, the movie's a hundred minutes long. For some people that's already too much, Scott. Yeah. So for the fans, we figured we'd put another 90 minutes on there and they can, it's, it's optional content. Yeah, it really zooms along. There's some segments that are really cool. And I mean, they're only five minutes, but I'm glad that they're in there. Thank you. Let's say you were kind of handpicking your own ska festival whenever we can start doing that again. Who would you kind of put on the bill? Oh, man. That's a tough question. How many <laughs> bands can I have? A hundred? Because they're all... They're Make your, all own, your own little warp tour here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... Some bands that I will I will always go see live if they're anywhere near me, um, and just because the live show is so so much fun, so different than any other experience. And that's bands you know like the Aquabats, where it's it's not even just a music show; it's a crazy variety show, comedy thing with great music too. Um, then there's bands like Less Than Jake that have consistently had an amazing live show forever. I think the Pie Tasters are one of the best live bands when you can see them. Right. <laughs> Mad Caddies. I mean, if we could put anybody on there, I would definitely bring back Operation Ivy, Dancehall right, right. Crashers. You know, if, it, if this is a Magic Wand Festival, like uh, 80s era specials, there's <laughs> a lot of bands that it's impossible to get, but um, yeah, I think if I could put any band from our movie on a bill, I would. There's no, there's no bad live ska show in my opinion. Yeah, I think that just speaks to like the inclusive nature that's part of most of the movie there. Yeah, and almost every band in there has played with all the other bands. It's not you know that it's a small community everybody knows each other everybody's kind of trying to work together especially now i think the ska scene is is uh more connected because of the internet and things like that and so we're we're all trying to share in this music that we love and keep it alive i hope that the shutdown and the live music going away doesn't you know doesn't last too long and we can have live yeah. ska shows soon I just saw it. It's sad the other day that the um, Aquabats and Real Big Fish officially was postponed, which is pretty sad too. What was? The uh, Aquabats and uh, Real Big Fish yeah. were, they were putting together. Yeah, I saw that too. Such a bummer. Um, another band who kind of made it from up here, the Flatliners. Do you know them at all? I don't. Oh yeah, you've got to look into the Flatliners. They're on Fat Records. Oh, sweet. I probably heard them on a comp then. Yeah, they they have definitely more of kind of a, a punk edge that I think Fat Mike would, would, you know, pick up on. But 
their early stuff, like a lot of bands, is really hard into the ska as well. Nice. It's just a lot harder up here because everything's so spread out and, you know, yeah. not as well promoted. And they're one of the only ones who've really kind of jumped ahead. Gotcha. I'll have to check them out. Yeah. How about, I mean, you talked about your um, kind of festival. Do you have like a top five in like your own ex experience or uh, thought of who are your, your, your favorite ska bands? Yeah, that's tough. And people have asked me that before. And I guarantee every time I give a different answer because it changes all the time. But I've always loved, I mean, Five Iron Frenzy was the first band that really got me into the music. And I'm always going to love, you know, their their music and that band. We got to play with them a few times and they were always super cool. Uh, Real Big Fish, same deal. We played with them. They were very, very nice to us when they didn't have to be. And, um, you know, albums like Turn the Radio Off are just, you know, so seminal and so formative for people. Yeah. We're in high school band listening to that and it was eye-opening. So um, for the same reason, Less Than Jake is always going to be on my top five list. They're... Um, you know, their first two records are just like perfect. And I think that's that's about as good as music gets if you're into the more punk side of ska. I mean, there's a reason that they're still at the top of the game. Right. Like right. 30 years later, you know. Of course. Uh, that three bands. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Dance Hall Crashers, always top five. I've loved that band for forever. They're just amazing. And that fifth slot probably varies from week to week. I've been really uh, digging the Interrupters a lot. There's some other new bands that are in there, but, you know, sometimes it's the Boss Tones, sometimes it's Buffco Nine, sometimes it's Save Ferris. It just depends. Goldfinger. Yeah. <laughs> well, who are some of the more newer bands you think people should listen to in terms of uh, ska? Oh, man. I mean, so I played in D.C. in some bands with people who were in the band uh, Kill Lincoln. I think they're fantastic. Uh, also, We Are the Union. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, there's a new band called Cat Bite that's getting a lot of buzz. And Bite Me Bambi, which has some of the guys from Save Ferris in it. Right is another new one that I really like. I hate, you know, listing bands, and I know I'm leaving a ton out that I actually love. There's a band called the Green Room Rockers that's uh, not, not that new, but kind of under the radar a little bit. Man, I they're it's I like it all. You know, if I hear a yeah. good ska song, it's a good ska song. So I think it's just fantastic that there are so many new bands coming out and playing and getting the music back out to people especially the, this new generation of bands that is kind of pulling from all you know first second third wave right. ska and whatever else there's like a lot more i think soul and and funk music being incorporated as well as just crazy punk and metal stuff being put in there so it's it's pretty cool what the ska scene has kind of evolved into. In my I opinion. know uh, Jeff Rosenstock's in there for a minute or two, right? In your in your movie. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a funny story. He was up in Toronto for about a day, uh, maybe a year ago. And mm -hmm. he just tweeted out, I want to play a show. And a friend of mine who has a small cafe tweeted out. And he was like there in an hour just setting up. <laughs> and it was That's like mind-blowing that, you know, they, they get this guy who like everyone admires who just shows up, you know, just because. Yeah, that, I mean, that's exact, that's a great example of what the ska scene is. Like, people, people help each other out like that. Definitely. I love that. I didn't realize Ben Carr there in, uh, in the Boston's, he's just kind of like the hype man. Mm-hmm. And he's just been, you know, he dances it out and, and that's kind of his thing. Yeah. That was pretty fun to me to see as well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting character in the world of music. I don't think there's a lot of people, you know, who, and he's a, an equal member of the band. Yeah, that's awesome. what I know, which is, it's just great. It's just a feel good thing to know that there's somebody out there who's just been dancing now for over 30 years, dancing with the boss tones. <laughs> and he's in all the music videos and he's in all the photos. It's, it's funny. Yeah, uh, I don't have a ton else here. Is there anything else you want to plug or put out there? Uh, I think we can we can mention that the vinyl soundtrack is about to come out. It's being manufactured right now. Uh, it's pretty limited edition, but we still have some copies left for sale. And I'm really proud of the fact that we're able to put out a vinyl soundtrack for this movie that I feel like really uh, captures the feel of the movie and also just... I'm a record collector and I love the fact that we can put out a record, a basically a 90s ska compilation in the year 2020. It makes me really happy, so. That was my interview with Taylor Morden, director of the film, Pick It Up, Ska in the 90s, the movie, The Last Blockbuster, and a bunch of other fantastic films. He's also a musician living that skull life. Thanks so much for coming by. This has been Cambrio for CambrioMusic.com. Music.com.